This is the Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we'll be looking at the culture all around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, others I'll be hearing the stories of the people who make this area what it is. Now, when you think of culture, you might just think of dusty museums, art galleries full of paintings or people in ball gowns playing violins. But actually... It's so much more than that. It's all around us. Welcome to this feature length. Wow, it's sort of feature length. It's probably around about a double edition of cultural quarter of an hour. Um, I thought it was time we had a look back over the year that has been 2017. Technically, it didn't start for us until July. That's when the first episode of the podcast came out. And that was when I headed off to Festival Stoke. What we're listening to right now is the Shady Parade. It is a part of the Festival Stoke, which has been going on this weekend, the weekend after the announcement that Stoke-on-Trent has been shortlisted for the City of Culture Awards. The Shady Parade is just one of the events that's run by the Cultural Sisters, just one of the artists here at Festival Stoke. I've been speaking to festival organiser Marg Hardcastle. Well, years ago, uh, a community here community organisation organised what we called Family Fun Days and then after a few years I remember one dreary November evening we were sat in a community centre and thinking about what to do next year and I said let's do something different, let's do the London Road Festival and people said what's the London Road Festival and I said I don't know but it sounds good and that is seriously how it came about but I envisaged something that was still like a fun day in the community but was starting to incorporate really good art and creative activities not just craft but involving professional artists and professional artworks and so let's let's try to take people somewhere they've perhaps not been before culturally well festival stoke was just one of the many festivals i went to including food fest and the big feast It is wrong. It is wrong that in Great Britain in the 21st century we have got food banks. It is wrong that people are going hungry. It is wrong that people are having to choose between heating and eating. As a woman, it's wrong that people are having to choose between eating and personal hygiene, for want of a better phrase. It's wrong. We should not exist. And hopefully one day Food Fest might just be a food festival. So I walk down the Iron Market and there is a carvery going on. There is something quite exciting next to me right now, a Ladybird's Urban Garden Safari, where we've got a caravan, a washing machine, all with plants growing out of them. And uh, as you can hear going on in the background, lots of drumming going on as well. There's also someone doing some wood turning and there's someone... um, who has got some beekeeping information going on as well. Well, earlier on this week, before the chaos of the uh, festival began, I spoke to organiser Jane about what it's all about. All the activities are about the issues of food waste, food poverty, sustainability and food security. 
which is what makes Food Fest unique amongst food festivals because we're not just about the great food, which we're also going to have, but we're also about the issues around what could be termed food politics with a small p. If we abandoned the planet, would it, it abandon us? I remember the stories of the ice caps, fairy tales to most of us. What I'm really enjoying about today is that I've seen a performance by the Royal Opera House, I've seen some hip-hop street dancing, and now I appear to be following an urban astronaut around the city centre, because that's what you do on a Saturday in Hanley, apparently. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people taking part in this and following along as well. Some people looking a bit bemused, others just amazed at this uh, man in a spacesuit who is doing a spacewalk <laughs> from Albion Square down Tontine Street. It's brilliant. I think it's great bringing theatre into the streets so lots of people get to see it. Have you ever followed an astronaut down Tontine Street before? Never, never. <laughs> Did you ever think you would? No. <laughs> so I'm Mark and I'm one of the artistic directors of Highly Sprung Performance Company. We have an astronaut that goes 20 foot in the air and spins around. We call it aerial without strings, which is quite fun. And our astronaut has travelled down the street bouncing in a post-apocalyptic world and he meets a young girl who has found a way of keeping alive and keeping the world alive through planting trees in a post-apocalyptic way. There was also the time I helped to get the British Ceramics Biennial ready. Well, I say I helped. I helped make a clay book, which then was part of one of the exhibitions. That means my book is finished, but I, I really feel I should um, get it checked out by the man in charge himself, Keith. It's there, it's at the back, it's quite a chunky one. Which one are we looking This one? This one, yep. Have I done okay? Yeah, that is brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. And all the books, although we've got a fairly regular kind of mould, they all come out so differently according to the, the people who are making them, the speed that they're done. And, um, yeah, everyone... Although I kind of didn't envisage that they would be quite so different. I think it's been quite an exciting development really that the, the individuality of the maker is coming through and that's to be expected perhaps but it wasn't it wasn't in my my mind as we started in august we celebrated oatcake day now what i really wanted to know was how do you eat yours my name's emily and i'm from silverdale quite simply just cheese and bacon really in our household or, or even just cheese uh, most of the time my daughter absolutely loves oat cakes and cheese she'll have them even when we go out for lunch most times we used to live in Hanley when I was younger and we had um, what we called the hole in the wall um, and it was a, an oat cake shop which literally the, the guy used to serve the oat cakes through the window and um, whenever we used to go and get a dozen oat cakes he always used to throw in a couple of baby oat cakes as well just the smaller ones that he used to do for kids uh, we used to get pikelets from there as well which were, which were really nice but yeah I always remember going to the hole in the wall it was uh, something we used to do on a Sunday morning with my dad I'm Claire from Clayton Easy way, especially good after a hangover. Cold oat cake with tomato sauce on rolled up. So there are worse combinations. My brother, oat cake with lemon curd on. 
and I'm, don't forget, I'm from the catering industry as well. And it has been known when I was working up in the Lake District, we ran out of pancakes and I got some oat cakes in the freezer and we use those instead of the, oat cake, the pancakes. <laughs> My name's Andrew Knowles, I'm from Stockton Brook. Uh, I'm traditionally, so I like bacon and cheese. Yeah, nothing, don't, not, but a bit of black pudding now and again is always good. Uh, but uh, I'm quite particular about where I get my oatcakes from as well. High Lane, they're my favourites. Other people don't like them, I particularly like theirs. I think they're just nice and thin, nice and tasty, I like them. Hi, I'm Tracy and I'm from Burslem. I'm Becky and I'm from Bradwell. My favourite is bacon cheese with brown sauce and they have to be from High Lane, no other. They just make the nicest oatcakes. Um, either I can eat them plain, obviously with loads of butter, uh, but no, I do like their over-the-counter, already made-up ones, so they're the best. Uh, just plain cheese with tomato sauce. Occasionally sausage and cheese with tomato sauce uh, from Tunstall. Me and my ladies, I think it's called. But it's just where we've always gone, ever since I was tiny. <laughs> we occasionally have had povies. Um, and they just seem to taste nice, they look better, they they cook better. <laughs> Personally, for me, it is sausage, mushroom and cheese, and I'll have it with brown sauce. Thank you very much. The 6th of September marked the 75th anniversary of the Liditsa Shall Live campaign. Alan Gerrard is from Art Bay Gallery in Fenton and he runs a campaign to make sure the links between Stoke-on-Trent and Lidice in the Czech Republic are well known. I would say now that uh, a significant minority know the story of Lidice and how the people of this city rebuilt it, but still a sizeable majority don't know. But you are working to get it more well known. Why have you decided to do that? Why Why did you think it was time that Stoke-on-Trent knows about its own history? Because it's so important. It's a, it's a win-win uh, project. There's no negatives involved. It's all about peace and friendship and rebuilding and valuing other people and uh, encouragement and um, it, it's it's about internationalism. It's it's about Barnett Strauss, who was Polish. He was an immigrant. He was Jewish. Local people in the city followed him. They respected him. Um, this is a very positive story about internationalism. Um, and we need to learn lessons from the past. So that's one aspect to it. The other aspect is that this story shows how, how we can have friends around the world we don't just need to have one twin with um, we've got a langan haven't we and that's great but we've got loads of international associations through this Lidice Shall Live connection we've got an obvious connection with Lidice but because of Lidice's symbolism we have connections with many other villages and towns which also suffered at the hands of um, Hitler's thugs, if you like. You, you know, we have um, we have links with Putin in Holland, links with Talavag in Norway, links with Distomo 
in Greece, links with Arador Siglan in France. These are real links where we have communications. We have links with Masabuto in Italy. It links with Odrini in Latvia. And these are real links which could be developed and built upon. And they could have real positive effects for the city, not just in um, emotional ways, but they are important in themselves, but real, tangible, economic ways. When I started the podcast, one of the things that was really important to me was that I helped people tell their stories because stories just fascinate me. So here are a few of those that have really, really stood out, starting with artist Belinda Latimer. I used to be a secondary uh, teacher of art and other subjects as well. And then um, 2014, I was quite poorly and ended up in hospital, having had a heart attack, um, which made me really rethink what I was doing on this planet. Um, And it was that basic. It wasn't, why am I here in Stoke? It was, why am I on this planet? What am I here for? Somebody somewhere's making me stay a bit longer. Um, So I decided then that things needed to change really drastically. Um, I... I had mental health issues and still do today. I think everybody has them to a degree, to be honest. Um, and so needed help with that. And when that didn't come through the usual counselling route, because there was such a huge um, waiting time for it, I took to my art and craft, which having been a teacher for 13 years, hadn't done anything myself for that long, which actually is just horrible to think about. Um, and then... I'd bought loads of fabric off eBay, as you do. So I'd got lots of 1970s and 60s fabrics that were just ace and colourful and bonkers and just thought, what can I do with them? I don't want to make bags and cushions and be practical. I wanted to do something that was quite um, expressive and creative. So I started just chopping up bits of fabric and stitching into them and using the patterns as a guide as, as to how to stitch and embroider. And so from that, it took my mind completely off what I was worrying about, which was being ill again. And I was therefore able to tick my creative box and to also um, feel a bit more positive about life in the future. So I then thought, okay, I'm doing this for me now. What else can I do? And so I started doing some paintings and some drawings and really was guided by my daughter who wanted to do some stuff with me at home. Come on, mummy, let's do some stuff. So we did. I didn't go back to work. Um, Unfortunately, I had to give up teaching, um, which I do miss. And I miss the young people quite a lot. So, yeah, I, I, I started doing some more things at home and was building up my own artistic confidence because when you've done a degree and then when you work and then when you go and do uh, teaching, even in art, you lose who you are as an artist. And I think your brand and what you do, am I a painter? Am I a textile artist? Am I a, a ceramicist? Am I this? And I just didn't know what I was because when you're a teacher, you do everything. So it was... That, that would seem to be quite a nice thing to have, but actually it's not because when you're a bit of a flibbity gibbet like I am, I'm like, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do today? Ah, it was, you end up doing nothing and just sitting and eating biscuits. So I um, then thought, right, okay, I need to get teaching again. I want to work with people and I need to be working with people and helping people, but wanted to use creativity more from a, a, a wellbeing point of view, not come along and learn how to do this and compare yourself to the other people and make yourself feel rubbish because you don't feel very confident. It was very much about come along, have a go. Everybody can do it if they try. It's just about believing in yourself and talk about how your life is. And if you want to have a moan and a whinge, do it there and let's work through it and help each other. So it's almost like a community meet. 
My name is uh, Aida Horton. How did you end up in Stoke-on-Trent? By marrying a uh, soldier who actually comes from Stoke-on-Trent. And I moved here about uh, six and a half years ago. So for people listening, they're desperately trying to place your accent. Put them out of their misery, please. (laughs) Yes, I'm Bosnian. Uh, I didn't come here um, because of the war, Um, uh, thank God. I came well after the war, Uh, but it still plays a big role in my life. And I just try to educate people about it. How big a role does it play in your life? What, What role does it play? Well, obviously, I, I've been I've been a teenager when war started. Um, I didn't have a prom, uh, unfortunately, because that was my in my last year um, when the war broke out. So then, obviously, I lost a lot of friends um, who got killed or got injured in the wartime. I was deprived of my um, best years of my life um, because uh, I was under siege for three years. Um, I was starved, shelled at, shot at. Um, scared uh, for, for, for most of those uh, three years um, still have nightmares um, we still talk about it uh, every conversation, every party you have with somebody back home uh, any event on the end you'll end up talking about it, about friends you miss about some funny anecdote, about some hardship and yeah still very much present obviously I'm asking you about it, is it hard to talk about it? To me, it's not, um, because I guess after some time, you just try to find the kind of anecdotes and, and funny things about it, even though there was so hard things happening all the time. Uh, for me, it's, well, it's, not, it's not hard, because I want people to know, um, because if they don't know, then we're just facing the possibility of that happening to anybody anywhere, and actually it is, even though we are talking about it, so that means we have to talk even more. So, no, no, not for me. Maybe I'm boring some some people, but I think the, the, there's some experiences that I went through that are still applicable today. You know, how to get yourself entertained with no electricity, you know, how to, to do make a soap out of nothing and, you know, things like that. I am Reverend Geoffrey Ezer. I am vicar at All Saints Church Hanley on Leak Road and minster priest at Stoke Minster. February 2018 will will mark my sixth anniversary of my installation. What's changed? I think what would exemplify the journey more than anything else would be certainly the journey of All Saints Church Hanley. Having arrived here six years ago, and as I said earlier in this um, conversation, the church was fated for closure. And understandably so. Small congregation, one that was 20 when I arrived, and sometimes this year we've only had two people come through the door. I had said goodbye to eight of members of that congregation. Some surprised me, others did not. But nevertheless, it was, it was shrinking. Massive building, maintenance costs, which were always increasing as the congregation decreased. And the deanery and, and diocese had a plan, an understandable plan, to lease the building to a smaller, maybe more vibrant church that would then take on the repairs and we would then, as a Church of England church, move into the hall. That deal fell through for various reasons and we were left to petition the place to be closed. 
and about two or three days before we were going to make an application to the Heritage Lottery Fund, the person who was to write the application unfortunately um, broke their shoulder and couldn't obviously do what needed to be done and so it was left to me. And so I had to begin to dream. What do I mean by that? A wise man once said at the, in front of one of the greatest constitutional parliaments in the world I have a dream and he was then able to imagine a completely different world to the one that was confronting him in front of him and I think men like that and women likewise inspired me to dream to think of what have we got and one of the biblical implications or motives that have really sort of pushed me was the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus confronted the disciples and said, what have you got? And asked of them, what can they do with what they have? And for me, that has been the journey of all saints. And if not, maybe a message for the city. What can we truly imagine? Sometimes we are governed by our circumstances. And one of the phrases which is often used is, you know, who are we? You know, people ask us a question and they say, how are you? And we say, under the circumstances. Now, circumstances may not change, but why don't we live above the circumstances? Maybe our perspective of our circumstances need to change. And for me, it was looking at the building and actually saying to myself, what can this building do? What can this building be? Not just for me as a priest, but for the people who live in Joyner Square and beyond. And we began to imagine. We began to dream. And so, therefore, we began to see what is possible, even in a place which seemingly seems impossible to work with and work at, where a priest from East London whose parents were immigrants moved up to an area where only a few years prior to his arrival, BNP councillors were actually running the city. And all of a sudden, there's, an, there's an, not necessarily a new narrative, but an enlivening one between myself as I confront maybe my own internal racism, sexism and all the rest of it and insecurities and with a city which may reflect more of me than anything else and we began to dream. I think that to an extent is what I've seen over the last six years, the possibilities of hope. I'm Bob Moston, um, but I guess I'm known as, as Merriman. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a local songwriter, um, and I've been doing that for a, a couple of years now. So you'll find me, you'll find me out and about around pubs and all that kind of stuff, playing my songs, and you find it all online. Where and when was your first gig that you remember? Oh, that I remember. I mean, you're talking a while ago now when I was like 16 and I used to be in a kind of like a heavy punk band with my brother and I, we played at the Talbot Hotel in, uh, in Stoke. Um, I don't even know if it's still called the Talbot now, but um, that was our first show was there at the back um, and it was brilliant, absolutely loved it. And then we went on to play it. All the local haunts, the Underground, Sugar Mill, the Glebe, um, the old brown jug, things like that. When it comes to music in the city and around, how how important is it to you? It's 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 massive to me. Um, my personal kind of like project means a lot to me personally. To to just repeat the word, but I mean the actual music scene. It, it's 
it means a lot to be part of a community. Uh, when when it gets started, um, you get started up and you meet other bands and they kind of get you to open for them and then you go start going to gigs a lot more. Um, there's a real sense of purpose to it all and there's a real... Re- it's much more rewarding, I think, when there's a collective group of people making the music and people are getting involved with it than there is if you're just doing it on your own. And what kind of scene is there around here? It's massive. Um, I mean, I'm involved, I guess, in like a little niche scene that's to do with a certain type of songwriting and a certain type of music. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'd like to think that I'm involved with bands like The King's Pistol and Nixon Tate and The Honey Club um, and Don't Call Me Ishmael and those kind of bands. But then my, my brother plays in Angels and Idols, which are, a, which are a much heavier kind of metal band, and there's a massive scene for that as well. There's the, a good hip-hop scene growing. There's, there's so much going on, so many scenes. Um, I think Stoke, if you look for it, I think you have to look for it to start off with, you'll find that it's got a surprisingly brilliant music scene, like as a city. I'm holding a shell, and it's the sort of shell, a conch, that um, our mums used to have around in the bathroom as decoration or out in the garden in the flower beds. Um, But the conch has been used for tens of thousands of years um, in order to, to... The sound calls people to ceremony, calls people to ritual. It's been used in shamanic healing. I have come to the Chiron Institute in Stoke. You will know the building. It's the old Stoke Library. Beautiful building, the one with the round windows. and was left empty for such a long time, but now the Chiron Institute has arrived. And with me are John and June, who run the Chiron Institute. We were talking a little bit earlier about how sound is such an important sense. Why is it so important? Well, if you think if you think about it, just on an external level, if if you go back, back and back in time, we had a very different relationship with sound. We read our landscape and our lives um, were were really governed by sounds. We were listening. We were keyed to listening to, to sounds and to interpreting our environment through sound. Um, if we heard a, a rustling in the bushes, it could be food or it could be you know sort of pray uh, for we we could be the, the food source so it was really important to understand how to read our environment through sound nowadays we live in an environment where we spend most of our time trying to screen out the extraneous sound we are barraged by sounds of all sorts and it's a stress and it's an interference and we long for some peace and quiet with no sound at all. Um, very often we go home and we put we put the radio on, we put the you know we put music on, we put the TV on. We're very we have a very different relationship with sound. Um, when you come in here, um, it's very different. We create a context, a much more sacred context, a healing context to to listen, to receive, and to experience sound. And if you think about um, the, our first experience when we're when we're growing in in the womb, the the first sense to develop is the is our ears, the sense of sound. And we, be, we begin by hearing our mother's heartbeat. We hear her blood circulating. We've got that beautiful, safe space within which the sounds are happening around us, through us, 
very different experience. And if we have a natural death, the, uh, our sound, the sense of, of, of um, hearing is the last sense to go. So it, it really puts a context, a, a very important context on what sound, how important sound is to us. It really has been quite a journey so far. Can't wait to see what happens in 2018, where we go next, where this cultural journey takes not just us, not just Stoke-on-Trent, but the whole of North Staffordshire. I hope you'll join me for the ride as well. The next episode of Cultural Culture Now will come out on Wednesday, the 10th of January, because this is a bit of a longer one. We're going to have a bit of a break over Christmas and the beginning of New Year, recharge our batteries and get ready for who knows what lies ahead of us. If you want to stay in touch with me, please do on social media. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at CQHpod, on Facebook at Cultural Quarter and Hour Podcast. And of course, we've got our new-ish website where there's blogs and a few other bits as well. You can find me at cqhpod.co.uk.